Greetings and salutations and welcome to this Doctor Who special. We are over the next several weeks we're going to be talking about everything this Doctor Who. Why? Because this year is the 60th anniversary. And yes, your humble host is a Whovian. So, we will be talking about different things like the Doctors, the Daleks, the Cybermen, the Master, the TARDIS. Uh, all kinds of different stuff. So, I hope you really enjoy this upcoming series and stick around through it. With that being said, Geronimo. Just want to take this moment to apologize to my GXO family and you followers that listen every week. Um, this week, I had a lot of stuff going on uh, with my own health and other things with family issues. So I apologize that this week's episode is late. And over the next several weeks, I really hope that that'll straighten out. and We'll get back on our normal schedule. So without further ado. Welcome back to this episode, this special episode of the Doctor Who series. Uh, because this is the 60th anniversary, of course, I'm doing a special tribute for the Doctor. Uh, this week, we are going to be talking about the TARDIS. The TARDIS stands for Time and Relative Dimension in Space. And it appears as a uh, London police box. The acronym was first explained in the first episode of the show which the doctor's granddaughter Susan claims to have made it up herself. TARDISes are space and time travel vehicles for the Time Lords from the planet Gallifrey. Although many TARDISes exist and are sometimes seen on screen, the show mainly features one TARDIS, and that's the one used by the doctor. Right then, I'll be off. Unless, uh, I don't know. You could come with me. This box isn't just a London op, you know. It goes anywhere in the universe. Free of charge. Don't. He's an alien. He's, he's a thing. He's not invited. What do you think? You could stay here, fill your life with work and food and sleep, or you could go uh, anywhere. Is it always this dangerous? Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I've, um... Got to go and find my mum, and someone's got to look after this stupid lamp. So. Okay. See you around. it also travels in time. TARDISes are built with a chameleon circuit. This allows it to change the exterior form of the ship to blend into the environment of whatever time or place it lands. The Doctor's TARDIS had a malfunction to the chameleon circuit after the events of the first episode of the show, which means that the TARDIS is stuck looking as it does. 
The doctor has attempted to repair the chameleon circuit. However, he has been unsuccessful, except temporarily, in 1985. In 2005, the doctor revealed that he has stopped trying to repair the, the circuit as he has become fond of its appearance. While the exterior is rather limited in size, the TARDIS is famous for being bigger on the inside and is explained by having a dimensional transcendental. It's huge! It is very small outside. It's just in here it's big. Oh, come off it. Well, what do you think? I don't know. I can't believe it. It's so big. Don't believe it. It's bigger inside than out. Yes. That's because the TARDIS is dimensionally transcendental. What does that mean? It means that it's bigger inside than out. Well, Sergeant? Aren't you going to say that it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside? Everybody else does. Yes, it's quite cosy, isn't it? Hmm? Oh, you'll soon get used to it, old chap. Relative dimensions and all that. So this is what you've been doing with unit funds and equipment all this time. Still only a police box. Oh, sir. Explain to me how this TARDIS is larger on the inside than the out. Hmm? Why is it so much bigger inside than it is outside? Oh, the doctor told me that was because it was dimensionally transcendental. What does that mean? Well, it means it was bigger inside than outside. It's funny. It's very peculiar indeed. It's actually bigger inside I know. than it is on the outside. I know, I know. How do you do that then? Well, it's bigger on the inside than the outside. That would explain the spatial displacement we experienced as we passed over the threshold. This, if you like. Don't worry, it's bigger on the inside. What did you say? Bigger on the inside? Is that what you said? Yes, come on, you'll love it. The inside's bigger than the outside? Yeah. Much bigger on the inside. It's bigger on the inside, that's all. Oh, that's all. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. It's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Oh, I know all that bit. It's bigger. I mean, it's bigger on the inside. Ah, oh, right. Yes. Bigger on the inside. Do you like it? I, I thought it'd be cleaner. Cleaner? It's a lot to take in, isn't it? Tiny box, huge room inside. What's that about? Let me explain. It's another dimension? It's basically another dimension. What? I've been reading up on all the latest scientific theories, parallel universes. I like the bit when someone says it's bigger on the inside. It's bigger on the inside. Yeah, you get used to it. By all the... Let me stop you there. Bigger on the inside. Don't mind you if we just skip to the end of that moment. Is that the phone box? The bigger on the inside phone box? Smaller on the outside. Okay. I'm going to breathe tonight. The TARDIS also allows the doctor and others to communicate with people who speak languages other than their own, as well as turn all written languages into English. That's the translation circuit, occasionally called the translation matrix. It's a tool necessary to explain to the audience how people from other countries, time periods, and even other worlds can understand each other and indeed appear to speak, in most cases, flawless English. 
The TARDIS also has other special abilities. It can produce a large invisible air bubble around its exterior to allow its occupants to survive in an area that lacks oxygen as long as they are close to it. And in one episode, it can create a bridge tunnel that the occupants can use to cross from one starship into another. The TARDIS is also shown to be strong enough to tow other ships and even planets, and even withstand black holes. Numerous details of the TARDIS have been altered over time, including the shape of the roof, the signage, the shade of the paint, and the presence of a St. John ambulance emblem, and the overall height of the box has changed. The evolution design of the TARDIS's interior has evolved over the years as well. From the inception of the show in 1963 until the end of the, quote, classic series in 1989, the design of the TARDIS console room remained eh, pretty much unchanged from the original set. It had a brightly lit white chamber lined with pattern of the, quote, round things on the wall and with a central hexagonal console which contained a cylindrical time rotor that moved when the TARDIS was in transit. Numerous alterations were also made to the center console and to the layout, but the overall concept remained the same. The distinctive accompanying sound effect, a cyclonic wheezing groaning noise, is explained by River Song that you leave the parking brake on. We haven't landed. Of course we've landed. I just landed her. But it didn't make the noise. What noise? You know, the... It's not supposed to make that noise. You leave the brakes on. Yeah, well, it's a brilliant noise. I love that noise. Come along, Pond. Idris. Well, this is a very special episode because when Idris comes on to the show this is when the TARDIS becomes humanoid and how that is explained is the 11th doctor Amy and Rory follow a distress call with the identification of the Time Lords and a specific Time Lord named Kozar to an asteroid outside of the universe after landing in a junkyard the TARDIS shuts down and its matrix disappears the asteroid called house removes the matrix and places it in the body of a woman called Idris. The doctor discovers the Kozair and hundreds of other time lords on the asteroid were murdered by House and that the two inhabitants on the air on the asteroid were constructed by body parts of time lords as well as other aliens. They are called uncle and auntie. Upon learning that the doctor is the last time lord and there will be no more arriving, House transfers its consciousness into the TARDIS to escape the rift. Amy and Rory are trapped inside as the house-controlled TARDIS dematerializes. Uncle and Auntie are allowed to die. The doctor learns that Idris contains the personality of the TARDIS's matrix and that they can talk to each other for the very first time. Who are you? You really not know me. Just because they put me in here. They said you were dangerous. Not the cage, stupid. In here. They put me in here. 
I'm the... Go, what do you call me? Uh, we travel. I go... The TARDIS. Time and relative dimension in space. Yes, that's it. Names are funny. It's me. I'm the TARDIS. No, you're not. You're a bitey mad lady. The TARDIS is up and downy stuff in a big blue box. Yes, that's me. A type 40 TARDIS. I was already a museum piece when you were young. And the first time you touched my console, you said... I said you were the most beautiful thing I'd ever known. Then you stole me. And I stole you. I borrowed you. Borrowing implies the eventual intention to return the thing that was taken. What makes you think I would ever give you back? Within minutes, her body fails. Idris realizes that House has stranded many TARDISes before and that its pocket universe is hours away from collapsing. The Doctor and Idris work together to construct a makeshift TARDIS from scraps and then pursue House. Bomb the tube directly into the tank yes. inverter. Yes, I have actually rebuilt a TARDIS before, you know. I know what I'm doing. You're like a nine-year-old trying to rebuild a motorbike in his bedroom. And you never read the instructions. I always read the instructions. There's a sign on my front door. You have been walking past it for 700 years. What does it say? That's not instructions. There's an instruction at the bottom. What does it say? Pull to open. Yes, and what do you do? I push. Every single time, 700 years, police box doors open out the way. Yeah, I think I have earned the right to open my front doors any way I want. Your front doors? Have you any idea how childish that sounds? You are not my mother. You are not my child. You know, since we're talking with mouths, not really an opportunity that comes along very often, I just want to say, you know, you have never been very reliable. And you have? You didn't always take me where I wanted to go. No, but I always took you where you needed to go. You did. Look at us talking. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could always talk, even when you're stuck inside the box? You know, I'm not constructed that way. I exist across all space and time, and you talk and run around and bring home strays. Aboard the Doctor's TARDIS, House threatens to kill Amy and Rory. He plays with their senses as they try to flee through the corridors and then sends an Ood called Nephew after them. Idris makes a psychic connection with Rory to give him directions to a secondary control room where he and Amy are allowed to lower the TARDIS's shields. This allows the doctor to land the makeshift TARDIS in the secondary control room and atomizes Nephew. Amy, this is, well, she's my TARDIS. Except she's a woman. But she's a woman and she's my TARDIS. She's the TARDIS. And she's a woman. She's a woman and she's the TARDIS. Did you wish really hard? Shut up, not like that. Hello, I'm... Sexy. Oh, he's still shut up. House deletes the secondary control room as he prepares to break through the rift to the main universe, which the doctor anticipates. The TARDIS's safety protocols transfer them to the main control room where the dying Idris releases the TARDIS's matrix back to the TARDIS, destroying House. We are in your universe now, Doctor. Why should it matter to me in which room you die? I can kill you just as easily here as anywhere. Fear me. I've killed hundreds of Time Lords. Fear me. I've killed all of them. I don't understand. There isn't a forest in here. Yeah. You're right. You've completely won. 
Oh, you can kill his noodles of really inventive ways. But before you do, killers, allow me and my friends, Amy and Rory, to congratulate you on being an absolutely worthy opponent. Congratulations. Yep, you've defeated us, me and my lovely friends here. And last, but definitely not least, the TARDIS Matrix herself, a living consciousness, you ripped out of this very control room and locked up into a human body. And look at her. Doctor, she stopped breathing. Enough. That is enough. No, it's never enough. You forced the TARDIS into a body so she'd burn out safely a very long way away from this control room. Her flesh body can't hold the TARDIS Matrix and live. Look at her body house. And you think I should mourn her? No. I think you should be very, very careful about what you let back into this control room. You took her from her home. And now she's back in the box again. And she's free. No. Doctor, stop this. Stop this now. Look at my girl. Look at her go. They are on the inside. See how? That's your problem, the size of a planet, but inside you are just so small. Make it stop. Finish him off, girl. A remnant of the TARDIS's matrix in Idris's body states that she will not be able to speak to the doctor again, but will be there for him. Idris's body then disappears as the TARDIS's matrix is fully restored. Doctor, are you there? It's so very dark in here. I'm here. I've been looking for a word. A big, complicated word, but so sad. I found it now. What word? Alive. I'm alive. Alive isn't sad. It's sad when it's over. I'll always be here. But this is when we talk. And now even that has come to an end. There's something I didn't get to say to you. Goodbye. No. I just wanted to say. Hello. Hello, Doctor. It's so very, very nice to meet you. alternate timeline on Trenzalore, the TARDIS acts as the Doctor's tomb and grows to an enormous size. As the TARDIS dies, the outside catches up with the inside. The TARDIS also likes to switch up its interior to suit the personality of the Doctor who will be at the controls. Hence, 
This is why most of the time that the interior will change when the doctor regenerates. Out in the real world, an asteroid discovered in 1984 by astronomer Brian Skiff was named 3325 TARDIS on account of its cuboid appearance. A number of geological features on Charon, the largest moon of the dwarf planet Pluto, have been named after the mythological or fictional vessels, and one is named Tardis Chasma. So that tells you a little bit about the longest lasting star of the show, aside from the Doctor. It's the TARDIS. My TARDIS. The best ship in the universe. The other part that is very iconic is the sonic screwdriver. The sonic screwdriver is a multifunctional tool that the doctor uses. The screwdriver was first introduced in 1968, and it has become a very popular tool. Throughout the program, there have been many different versions of the sonic screwdriver. As with subsequent doctors, the design of it was changed. It has also been destroyed on a number of occasions, thus leading to the introduction to the next model. Not all iterations of the Doctor have used the sonic screwdriver on screen. The 12th Doctor loses his sonic screwdriver to Davros after lending it to him when he was just a child. The Doctor received a new sonic screwdriver from the TARDIS in place of the temporary sonic sunglasses. Despite the Doctor's claim not to give his screwdriver to anyone, he gives one to his doppelganger, and to Rory, and to Amy on more than one occasion. He also gives one to River Song. The functions of the sonic screwdriver are based on power over sound waves, radiation, wavelengths, frequencies, signals, and electromagnetism. It is shown to hack, disable, activate, and otherwise control technology from almost anything, allowing it to remotely control almost any machinery, mechanisms, and computers, allowing it to open locks, detonate explosives, remotely activate electronics, override most systems, activate computers, and cause some energy weapons to burst into flames or sparks. There is technology that the Sonic is unable to interface with, such as wood. 400 years. Sorry? At a software level, they're all the same device, aren't they? Same software, different case. Yeah, so? So, it would take centuries for the screwdriver to calculate how to disintegrate the door. Scanning the door, implanting the calculation as a permanent subroutine in the software architecture. And if you really are me, with your sand shoes and your dicky bow, and that screwdriver is still mine. That calculation is still going on. Yeah, still going. Calculation complete. Same software, different face. Hey, 400 years in four seconds. We may have had our differences, which is frankly odd in the circumstances, but I tell you what, boys, we are incredibly clever. <laughs> How did you do that? It wasn't locked. Right. 
or the isomorphic controls. It is also capable of causing chemical reactions that the doctor allows to turn uh, glass from clear to black like sunglasses and causing cut barbed wire to regenerate. That's using setting 2428B. It is also capable of detecting, amplifying, and controlling certain energies, sound, signals, frequencies, and waves, allowing the doctor to intercept a teleporting individual and send them to where he chooses. It can scan and identify matter. It can send out communications, enhance sounds, signals, and frequencies, and acting as a catalyst or conduit for energies. The War Doctor also used his sonic in tandem with the 10th and 11th Doctors to create a force field to repel a Dalek. Aside from being a tool, the sonic screwdriver can be used and considered as a defensive weapon, which is only effective for a few types of assault weapons, but is not designed to kill or injure living things as the only way it can really hurt or incapacitate an organism is by emitting painful bursts of sound. Although the 11th and 12th doctors have been able to send out a wave of green energy. However, the war doctor did remind them that it's not a weapon. Really? Yeah. Really? You're me? Both of you? Yup. Isn't that one? Yes. You're my future selves? Yes. Am I having a midlife crisis? <laughs> Why are you pointing your screwdrivers like that? They're scientific instruments, not water pistols. Look like you've seen a ghost. Phil, loving the posh gravelly things. Wake him in. Brave words, Dick Van Dyke. Oh, Encircle them. Which of you is the doctor? The Queen of England is bewitched. I would have the doctor's head. Well, this has all the makings of your lucky day. What is that? Oh, the pointing again. There's screwdrivers. What are you going to do? Assemble a cabinet at them? The 12th doctor is seen wearing black Ray-Bans, and he says he no longer has his sonic screwdriver. Later, he unveils that the sunglasses are actually a wearable version of the screwdriver, claiming that he is, quote, over screwdrivers as quote they spoil the line of your jacket the glasses are used by the doctor and clara on occasion the sonic sunglasses appear to have the same basic functions as a traditional sonic screwdriver such as scanning objects while having a few features never seen before by allowing the doctor to hear people talking even if they're several yards away they can reassemble the TARDIS after it has used its hostile action dispersal system to avoid destruction by the Daleks. It can also create and control a sophisticated hologram of the Doctor by using a Wi-Fi system. It can erase alien encoding inside people's brains by having them don the glasses for a few moments. And it helps them read through the internet pages and email. But the doctor did reintroduce a new sonic screwdriver after he got his replacement from the TARDIS and then he gave it to River so that way there she could be saved. The 13th doctor dropped her screwdriver after falling out of the TARDIS right after she regenerated, 
so she had to build one out of scrap. Kind of resembles a Swiss Army knife rather than a screwdriver. And finally, the 14th Doctor. I've seen a sneak peek of this thing, and it kind of resembles a combination of the 10th and the 11th Doctors kind of mashed together. So it's kind of cool. My own experience with the sonic screwdriver. So this has been, gosh, probably at least 15 years ago, maybe, maybe that long. And my son called me and my oldest, and he says, Dad, I locked my keys in my car. Okay. So I drove over from my little podunk town to his little podunk town, and I brought my sonic screwdriver with me because I was going to mess with him because I had an extra key for his car. And so I went over, I unlocked the door, went up, knocked on my, my first wife's house. My son comes out, and I say, oh, so you ready to do this? I walked over and I take the Sonic out of my pocket and I zap it at the at the car and the door's unlocked. He's like, did you just really do that? I knew, you know, I had to tell him, no, you know, I had a key, but I really kind of felt like, you know, I, that, that I was really kind of playing the doctor at that time, not playing doctor, but playing the doctor. Uh, my own version of the using the sonic screwdriver to to get into his car so folks i hope you really uh, enjoyed this week's episode on the tardis and the sonic screwdriver next week i'm going to talk about the next segment of doctors and uh, that looks like it's going to be the sixth the seventh the eighth and the war doctor and that will finish off the classic Who and bring us up into the modern Who. So you guys have yourself a great week. And, you know, just keep out there. Just keep plunking along. This has been Generation Extraordinary. The views and opinions are mine and mine alone. Any claims of time travel are purely fictitious. The music and audio clips are not mine, and in most cases were downloaded through my paid YouTube subscription and are only used for entertainment purposes. GXO is a production of Popeye Enterprises. Its host, creator, producer, and editor is Robert Pop. Co-producer is Harley Quinn Pop. Special guest voice actresses are Ariel Pop and Rachel Lyons. For more information, support, or to contact us, go to the website at www.genxord.com. Thanks for listening.